Everyone has a vocation, a calling from God that only he or she can answer. But how do we truly know if we're doing what God wants? Join us today as we discover how to know the will of God with our special guest, Father Timothy Gallagher, OMV, who is a renowned spiritual director and a author of many, many books, including Discerning the Will of God, an Ignatian Guide to Christian Decision-Making. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Franciscan University Presents. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. And we're here today learning more about discerning God's will. I'm joined here in our studios with our regular panelists, Dr. Regis Martin, Professor of Systematics Theology at Franciscan University, and Dr. Scott Hahn, Professor of Biblical Theology at Franciscan University. And we're joined today by our special guest, Father Timothy Gallagher, OMV. Father is a member of the Oblates of Mary. Uh, he has um, uh, been writing and speaking on uh, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He earned his doctorate from the Gregorian in Rome. He has taught in seminary, assisted in formation work, uh, and he's twice served as the provincial of his own community. Uh, he has dedicated many years to an extensive ministry of retreats, spiritual direction, and teaching on the spiritual life. Father is also the author of six different books on St. Ignatius's uh, spiritual exercises. Particularly today, we're going to be talking about the one, uh, Discerning the Will of God, an Ignatian Guide to Christian Decision-Making. Father, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mike. Uh, it is great to have you here. Uh, this really is a crucial topic for all Christians. Uh, we really need from young to old to really understand how are we uh, to discern the will of God. So as we're looking at this topic, could you explain to us what does discernment mean in the Christian life? Well, the verb itself means to distinguish between things, to separate things apart according to their various natures. And so what we're talking about here is most commonly when we use the word is I am faced with a choice, the most significant choice, which might be vocation or career, to ordinary daily choices. Should I spend an hour with my son or should I finish up the business project? And the question that we have as people who love the Lord is what does God want? Mm. And so I need to discern. And so I need help and tools and criteria for that discernment. So, so this isn't necessarily a distinction between you know, doing good and avoiding evil. This is something even much more uh, intimate to where we're going in our lives. Whenever we make a choice, really we're always discerning. If I have a choice between being honest or dishonest in a business transaction, and I choose to be honest because I know that's what the Lord wants, I've discerned. But we don't tend to think of the word there because the discernment is clear. It might take some courage, mm -hmm. but the discernment itself is quite clear. So we tend to use it more when a person who loves the Lord is faced with choices in which both options are good options. Mm, yeah. Priesthood, marriage, business, law, etc. And how do I know what God's will is in those cases? That's, that's usually how we use that word. Okay. 
So that, that's really the defining business, uh, uh, a choice uh, between two options, neither of which uh, uh, is wicked. I mean, both are, are equally good, maybe. Is, yeah. is, that, is that your position? Both. Generally, we tend to think of discernment when a person is faced with a choice in which both options yep. or all options are yep. good. The person is free to choose either option, yeah. and it's a choice of some significance. Yeah. You know, this idea of discerning the will of God, you know, goes, in my experience, it goes way back. Um, I experienced the, uh, the grace of a young adult conversion almost 40 years ago as an evangelical Protestant. And I remember the conversations that we all had back then about discerning the will of God. And I mean, on the one hand, you're right. I mean, there's an objective component where you are doing the good and avoiding the evil. You're believing in God. You are accepting the word of God. And yet at the same time, when it comes to marriage or when it comes to this job or when it comes to deciding what major in college, you know, I, I got this sense way back that people could almost get wrapped up inside themselves with the process of discerning, discerning, forever discerning, and just not ever reaching a decision and using discernment as an excuse for not deciding. Well, I'd say two things are important when that happens. One is that there may be at times, the issue may not really be a spiritual issue mm -hmm. many times, but it might be a human issue. If a person, for example, has had no modeling in his or her life of commitment, the person may simply struggle with commitment as yeah. such and call it a spiritual problem, but at root it's an issue of human formation and growth. And so attention to what can help a person heal just on that level many times sets discernment free. The other problem is that when people say I'm forever discerning, it may well be that they don't know how to discern. Right. They have very good will, but they don't have the tools. And that's what St. Ignatius supplies in a, in a way uniquely his own. Yeah. So your book really doesn't apply to uh, the, the, uh, the psychologically immature, does it? I mean, we're talking about uh, adult Christians who pretty much know their mind uh, and have already chosen uh, God. They've opted for a spiritual life. They want to be better. They want to become saints. It's not that they have some incapacity to make choices. They, they know what choices uh, to make. They've already made a, a whole busload of good choices. But suddenly, they find themselves presented with two equally desirable options, and they have to mediate the difference. Is that right? I think that's essentially right. For St. Ignatius, discernment starts, it builds on a foundation. After all, why does it matter? to do God's will. Why is that important to me? Most simply because I know I'm loved and I want to respond to a love. Yeah. So yes, th there's always a foundation on which is, this is going to be built. But even though a person may have a good, solid, catechetical foundation in our faith yeah. and years of, sp of the spiritual life, when, as you say, a person is suddenly faced with a significant choice, the person still needs tools. Now, just as we turn to, for example, Francis of Assisi for the question, questions of poverty or living evangelical simplicity of life, or Teresa of Avila or John of the Cross when it's higher states of prayer and so on, the church looks to Ignatius of Loyola for these kinds of tools mm. when the person is facing that choice. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That is great. Now, so if, you, if we look at it from the standpoint of kind of as, as Scott said earlier, you know, that there's this sense that some people have that discernment equals delay, that they're, they're kind of perpetually putting off sometimes making a decision in life. But there's also sometimes, I mean, is God interested in every aspect of our life? How much uh, in all the areas do we need to discern? Uh, I think the best answer to that is to look to Jesus in the Gospels. 
who tells us that he always does what the Father wills. Mm -hmm. What he says, where he goes, how he interacts with people, what he does, everything is guided by the, the will of his Father, which is a lovely image of a way to live. Mm -hmm. So the answer to that is yes. Mm -hmm. Jesus, when we say Jesus, Jesus is Lord in our lives, we mean it. Yeah. And yeah. he's Lord not just of even the significant choices, but of every choice. I like what you're doing in grounding discernment in objectivity. You know, that you begin with the objective fact that, okay, there is a God and we are creatures who ought to obey and do the good and avoid the evil. But even more, God has revealed himself through Christ so that more than creatures, we are called to be children of God and to respond to a vocation that we discern through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, to accept the gift of sonship in Christ and thus to respond through prayer and obedience. At the same time, I know as a father of six, there's a certain sense that I have in which, you know, as I see my kids growing and they come to me and they want to know what I want, one of the things I've tried to communicate over the years by instilling wisdom uh, and giving them opportunities is sort of like, you know, I have not predetermined each and every single component of your life. And not just because I'm not God, but because as a father, I take delight in seeing my kids exercise their freedom and really you know, deciding on the basis of what they're discovering inside their hearts when it comes to love or when it comes to excitement or when it comes to you know, a, a sense of adventure that they really feel ready for. Mm. Um, and so when I look back on those evangelical days where we were trying to discern, should I park on this side of the street or that side, you know, and you just cause a traffic jam, you know, um, I, I, I also recognize that objectivity, you know, objectively, we have that freedom as children of God to do what we, you know, not just what we do, what we want to do by instinct, but what we want to do through the Holy Spirit of divine sonship within us. I think what you touch on there, Scott, is why God even calls us to a process of discernment. Mm -hmm. Because this does come off oftentimes when I, when I offer teachings on this. Why is it so hard? Yeah. You know, if yeah. I want to do God's will, can't he simply make it clear to me? But I think very much, as you're saying, for, with your own children, as a father with your own children, God calls us to that process of discernment precisely because we grow so much when we do it. Yeah. Uh, we, we have to, I, I love watching this in people's lives when you see them go through a process of discernment and you see them grow up and mature in their faith as they have to learn to pray more deeply, to live in the Lord day by day more deeply. They need ongoing conversion. Sacrament of confession may take on new life in their um, spiritual reading and so forth. By the time people come to clarity and know what God wants and are free to move forward, they've grown enormously. Children grow up into adults, oftentimes through the process of discernment. So absolutely, God engages our freedom very much in the process. And finally, if the Lord has a will for us, it's not to enchain us. Yeah. That's right. It's to set us free. Yeah. And you, I love this too, when you see people find God's will and they're set free. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's nothing it, quite like the joy of living yeah. uh, or in, in yeah. God's will. Is it, is it possible, Father, to arrive at full and perfect uh, clarity, you know, an absolute, uh, even apodictic certainty about the choice uh, you think God is asking you to make? In practical terms, can we arrive at clarity so that a person now knows this is what God wants? Yeah. With a clarity beyond doubting, the answer is yes. Okay. Yeah. Probably, uh, I'll leave this to you as the systematics professor, but 
probably we'd speak of a moral certitude yeah, in a yeah. case like that, which is all that we really need. Yeah, yeah. We have, I now have the clarity that I need to know that God wants this choice for yeah. me. It's not a Cartesian certitude right. that is right. epistemological, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it, it's the fruit of prayer. And I think that's the key. You know, I, I, as, I, as I think back again to what it was like before I became a Catholic a quarter of a century ago, I realized that uh, the one component that was entirely lacking was what we call spiritual direction. Mm. Those two words were never conjoined. We never heard anything about spiritual direction. When I first heard about it, I thought, what is that? You know? And I reacted because it seemed as though the subjective choices that we were to make lacked any objective basis. And so people would come up and say, I think I'm supposed to marry you. Well, you know, wait a minute, God is capable of communicating that to both people, you know. Uh, I reacted, I remember I've been doing penance ever since because I was engaged less than two months and we were in a Bible study talking about the will of God. And uh, somebody asked me, well, how did you discern that it was God's will to marry Kimberly? And I'm like, I just decided, you know, I, and this is what I said, I said, out there, there are millions of women, and maybe 50 of them that I could have married, but I chose her. And my wife-to-be looked at me, 50? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible study leader said, oh, uh, you're going to be paying for this for a long time. Yeah, pe people didn't realize how wildly promiscuous uh, Scott was. <laughs> yeah, Father, I, a, a couple of difficulties, if, if, if I might just sort of uh, try them out on you. Uh, on, on, on the one hand, if, if you have two choices and they're both equally good, that makes it difficult, doesn't it? Because you can be happy sure. with either choice, A or B. And, and God is not uh, uh, disapproving of either. He might prefer B to A. You don't yet know that, but if you end up doing A, you're not going to be wretched forever in hell, right? Well, let's look, for example, at the life of someone like the Curie of Ars. Who was, whose life was incredibly fruitful, obviously, as a diocesan priest and a pastor in a parish, who throughout all of the years of his priesthood longed for the monastic life, so much so that three times he even left his parish with the intention of joining the monastery and each time returned. Now, did it matter? Yeah. Both are good, both right. are obviously yeah. good, but did it matter in the Father's will for the world and the church yeah that this man choose what God really wanted him to do. Yeah. Obviously it mattered both for him and through his choice for many other people. So it's when we know that both choices are good, we don't yet have an answer. We have a need for discernment. Yeah. And it matters enormously for the person's happiness and for God's work of redemption in the world that we come to see which choice God really wants. Yeah. yeah. Right, thank you. Uh, the, the other difficulty, uh, if, if I might uh, trot it out as well, uh, oftentimes you can't know what is best until you do it, right? Uh, I mean, students will ask me, uh, uh, I'd like to be honest uh, and wise. Is there a book I can read? Or I'd like to be chaste and just. Uh, can you send me uh, to a, a tape, uh, some CD that will explain everything? And the answer is, you can't. There's no book. You have to practice chastity or justice or generosity or honesty. You learn by doing. It's a process. Sanctification is a process. So if, if I'm beset by two choices, do I get married or do I become a, a Carthusian? Uh, how do I know unless A, I get married or B, I become the Carthusian and then life being dramatic, it sort of unfolds in the doing of it, one or the other. 
A am I stealing a base here? Or? Well, I wonder if St. Ignatius has some insight into this. Uh, First thing I would say is that some of that is a matter of Christian formation. So the book or the tape doesn't make the decision for the person, doesn't yep. get the person there, but it can enlighten the person right. through the teaching of the church's yeah. tradition on how more easily to get there. The second thing I would say is that I think St. Ignatius is a little more optimistic than that. Uh -huh. And uh, the whole thrust of his little spiritual classic, The Spiritual Exercises, is that it is possible for us to know between marriage and being a Carthusian and before I actually make the choice, it is possible to come to clarity on which choice God does want for me. Okay. Oh, Father, now, thank you. I, I want to hold this discussion because yeah. I think we need to go deep into, um, at our next segment, um, how we will discern uh, God's will from a spiritual master, St. Ignatius of Loyola. You're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. In my own experience, spiritual direction has been a great benefit to me and that it gives me an opportunity to uh, talk about some of the things that I've been uh, going through in my own spiritual life, perhaps, and uh, some of the discernments that I've been trying to make, and speak about it with someone that has more experience than I do. In my own case, it's always been a priest that I've uh, had as my spiritual director, so uh, someone that has been uh, much holier than myself, able to uh, perhaps guide me uh, in ways of spiritual reading or uh, ways to take my prayer so that it, God's will might become clearer in my life. My name is Michael Villanueva. I'm majoring in philosophy and theology. Last semester I had sacraments with Dr. Hahn. And uh, I'll tell you right now, it was the best class of my entire life. A every class, I'm just knocked out of my chair. It hits me like a ton of bricks. The beauty of the truth that he's speaking to us. Something so simple, God's but so beautiful and so profound and so powerful. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. Today we're discussing how do you discern the will of God with spiritual director and author, Father Timothy Gallagher, OMV. Father, now that we've kind of broken open the subject of discernment, uh, if you could uh, let us know, what, what, what are the wisdom uh, from St. Ignatius of Valeria? We know him from the spiritual exercises. We know he's a master in the spiritual life. What, what does St. Ignatius have to say about discernment of God's will? He takes the person who loves God, is facing a significant choice, vocational, career, and so on, wants to do God's will, doesn't yet know how to find it, and gives that person the tools the person needs to do. First, to prepare for that choice, because that's critical in discernment. Many times discernment gets blocked because the preparatory steps are, are not in place. So he explains those, guides the person through those. And then once the person is ready, the person's heart is disposed, what he, he does with guidance, of a, there's always, it's always presumed that there's a spiritual guide in this, he shows the person the ways in which God may ordinarily answer that question. Mm -hmm so that if God chooses to speak through one of these, these pathways, with the help of the guide, the person will recognize it and know the answer. Okay, real quickly, give me an example of what you mean by preparatory. What, what kinds of things are contributing to preparation? All right, what can get in the way then of being able to hear the still small voice of God's will when he's speaking? The most obvious thing to be removed is sinfulness. 
So Ignatius invites the person in a, in a first section of his process to, with great love, knowing the love of the Redeemer, he puts the person at the foot of the cross, just marveling at the love that has brought the Savior here. We bring our, our brokenness, our sinfulness, our need for healing to him. And as spiritually we grow freer of sinfulness, then we become more and more able to hear. So that's the first thing. A second thing that he does, and this is where he actually spends most of his time, is to invite the person to get immersed in Jesus in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. So day after day after day, he has the person just live with the Lord, actually go through the entire life of the Lord in the Gospels, mm -hmm. from the, um, the private life, his, his birth, the infancy, and on through to the resurrection. And as the person is doing this, with a heart now set freer from the obstacle, and a heart that is increasingly getting ready to say whatever you want, Lord, which is the key disposition that we need. Yes. Um, the person is seeing the choices Jesus makes, hearing the way Jesus speaks, no. seeing the people with whom he lives, seeing the actions that he does and the things that he chooses not to, to follow. And as the person is doing this, Ignatius' presumption and the experience of 500 years now confirms that the Holy Spirit is alive in this. Various things in the life of Jesus touch this person, and a pattern begins to emerge. And out of that, with wise guidance, the person can begin, begin to hear the Lord's desire and the yeah. choice that the person is facing. Well, aren't, aren't these uh, the, uh, the three ways of uh, the spiritual life which have been traditionally uh, uh, understood from the beginning? I mean, there's the purgative way. You have to renounce sin. You have to acknowledge your brokenness. And then you're somehow immersed in this illuminative way, flooded with light, you know, the insights of the Gospels. And you embark upon this great pilgrimage of grace. And finally, uh, it culminates in the unitive way, a kind of mystic transformation into the very life yeah. of, uh, of paradise. Sure, Ignatius uses that very language yeah. in the exercise. I, I, I suspect most of us are stuck somewhere in that first phase, yeah. right? The purgative. <laughs> well, I think what is helpful is that Ignatius recognizes that we need to go through these stages. Yeah. It, it, discernment doesn't happen outside of a context. Yeah. As I said earlier, many times the reason why we're blocked and we feel unable to move is that the context is not in place. And Ignatius shows us how to get that context in place, which then sets the process free to move yeah, forward. Yeah. And it seems to me that what we're talking about is, is listening to God. We're talking about hearing God. And it just seems that as, as, as Ignatius calls for us to, to steep ourselves in the Gospels, I mean, you're, you're, you're hearing his voice in your ears. You're praying so that it's, it truly becomes incarnate, uh, that Christ is real and present, then that desire to know his will becomes much more present because I, I think, you know, in the, when the Gospels say, my, my, my sheep know my voice, um, do we know the voice of God? And with that preparation, that foundation of the Gospels uh, seems to really set that stage uh, for, for understanding and discerning God's will. But that's only just preparation, really, for the discernment. Mm -hmm. I would say that we, we do hear God's will. Anyone who loves the Lord and is following the Lord knows in many ways as he or she goes through life that the Lord's will is this or that. Yeah. But we can grow in that. Mm. Yeah. And Ignatius can lead that to a new level. Yeah. You know, one of the models in the Gospels and in the tradition for the three stages of the interior life, the purgative, the illuminative, and the unitive, is Simon Peter. 
you know, and I, I, I like the way that you objectify this too, not just by taking an example like Simon Peter, but just seeing all the different ways Jesus relates to the Gadarene demoniac after healing him, he sends him back. You know, he says to the others, leave your nets and follow me. He says to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, and the guy goes away sad. So you see the variety in the Gospels, that's beautiful. But what I like is Simon Peter, because he leaves his nets and follows, and yet he keeps stumbling and bumbling along, you know, <laughs> and, and kind of graduating from elementary school to junior high, but continuing to struggle all the way until finally he is martyred. And, and to me, you know, that is something that is really useful and, and uh, practical. It's so helpful for people, I think, taking what you just said right to our own issue of discerning God's will, to know that we don't have to be masters. We don't have to get it all right. We can lean on a tradition. We can lean on the wisdom of someone like an Ignatius. And we can lean on the wisdom of a trained and wise spiritual director as we do this so that we won't always hear everything immediately right and so on. But we're in the process. It has the objective parameters that you've described. It's solidly based in the church's wisdom. And we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Well, that, I think that, that is what makes uh, Peter uh, so endearing uh, a figure. He doesn't get it. Uh, he's always uh, uh, on the verge of some spectacular lapse. It's not as if Jesus says, look, you're really a jerk. And as soon as you, you clean up your act, and make yourself perfect, then we'll sit down and chat because I've got some plans for you. But until you achieve that, that sheen of perfection, uh, get out of here, uh, I anathematize you. I mean, that's not how it works. I mean, he struggles, he, he stumbles, he falls, he gets up, he's repentant, uh, and, and one day he awakens uh, and, and has a beatific vision. Uh, he's in heaven. Well, and I'd say even more marvelously, the very stumbling becomes something that God uses to get us where he wants. Yeah, yeah. That's exemplified beginning with Ignatius himself, where those first 30 years where he was kind of an Augustine. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. Became the background out of which he became the specific saint yeah. that he did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the example of Simon Peter reminds me of episodes in my own life, too, where I've had what I like to characterize as upward falls. You know, on the one hand, Peter says, you are the Christ, and he hears Jesus say, and you are the rock, and then he turns around and says, you are the stumbling stone, you know, get thee behind me, Satan. And, and, and likewise, you know, Simon, do you love me more than these? I mean, it's, it, there, there, are, there are a lot of moments where there are stern encounters, not harsh, but not easy either. And I, I think what you have to recognize is that in the process of discerning and deciding, there's also growth in virtue, especially humility. And, and that alone makes sense out of all of the falls because suddenly the humiliations are part of a plan apart from which you just can't simply scale the ladder and say, well, I did it and I didn't need to be humiliated, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, again, there are bigger issues in terms of marriage and priesthood, but I think there are the nuts and bolts of daily discernment and decision making has to do so much more with, with the virtues and not just avoiding evil and doing good but accepting humiliations and trying to figure out what to do with the help of a spiritual director. Yeah. And Father, in your book, you really give some great stories and share a lot of personal examples uh, of people going through discernment here or today, uh, whether it be careers, whether it be vocation to the priesthood or religious life, whether it be taking a job somewhere out of town or what have you. Um, you know, if you could, just in a simple way, there's three modes uh, that, that uh, St. Ignatius lays out. 
um, but you spend quite a bit of time on the preparation which we've talked about, spiritual director, uh, scripture, um, uh, journaling even, uh, writing things down. Um, when you look at the preparation in the three modes, how could we describe that for someone at home who's listening to this today, who's wondering, do I take this job? Uh, do as a retiree, am I, or I'm soon to be, how, how do we, um, uh, not necessarily the practical parts, but what does St. Ignatius have insofar as the wisdom of those modes? Well, what you've touched on there is really the question most people have when they ask for help with discernment. And that is, it's not even so much about the preparation, although as we've said, that's indispensably important. But the question is, how will I know that I've heard God's voice? Mm. How will I know that God has answered my question? And the marvelous thing that St. Ignatius did is to review his own experience and out of it identify three different patterns of the way God may answer that question. I'll summarize them. These are too essential. More needs to be said, but just as a, as a basic paradigm. Sometimes God can give a clarity beyond doubting. It's just so clear that we know. Yeah. Sometimes it comes through an attraction of the heart, a consistent pattern of attraction over time during what Ignatius calls spiritual consolation, when our hearts feel warmed and close to God. And then the third pattern would be a preponderance of reasons. When a person calmly, peacefully, prayerfully before the Lord looks at the advantages and disadvantages for the one option and the other from the perspective of God's greater glory, which of these options will serve to make God yeah. more known and loved in the, yeah. in the world and for eternity? So a clarity beyond doubting, mm an attraction of the heart or a preponderance of reasons. Essentially, that's, those are the three modes. Okay, and, that's, and that, that gives us the end result. That's what oftentimes people will give me the bottom line. And, and, and Ignatius gives us, these are the three modes that God can speak to us. Um, and, and there's all this preparation that goes into this. So in, in your work, what do you think is, is one that people are challenged with? Which one of those three modes uh, it makes it more? <laughs> Uh, more interesting in your d direction and, and retreats that you spend Well, I think the, the greatest challenge is when people have not yet heard through one of those, <laughs> those, those three right. modes. Yep. But um, that's really as individual as the way God works with each individual heart. And both, all three modes equally lead to the kind of clarity of which we spoke about before, which is what people need. So it almost, it, it's in, in God's free working within each person, yeah. which of those it's going to be. The clarity beyond doubting when that comes is a lovely experience because it's clear. Um, yeah. some, sometimes it's given in a moment of prayer. Sometimes it gradually emerges over time in a person's heart, but a person gets to the point where he or she now says, I, I know beyond doubting that this is what God wants. And it's a lovely yeah. thing when that happens. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah kind of blinding of affirmation or, or certitude. What, what I think gives a lot of people pause is that third uh, controlling uh, criterion. Which of the choices I'm, I'm free to make is most uh, likely to advance God's kingdom? I mean, what, what would enhance the glory of God, make him magnified beyond any other choice, even good choices? I mean, like St. John Vianney, I mean, ending up a monk in a monastery would, would probably save his soul, but it might not save a great many French souls whom God wanted him to minister to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Those, that, those, are, those are amazing points because I think as we get down to this, I think we really need to go into some practical parts um, of what Ignatian is really looking for, or St. Ignatius is looking for. Uh, let's continue this discussion, discovering God's will with some very practical applications to help uh, really discerning God's will. You're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. The importance of that sacramental prayer life of staying close to our Lord is one of those ways in which we can learn to listen for His peace, learn to listen for when He's calling us to say yes to Him in something that we might not necessarily want to do at that point in time during the day, or as we're thinking for that vocation in our lives. But if we're scared about something or anything of that nature, you know, we have to learn that God has a plan and a desire for all of us to follow and do His will, and we'll find our joy in aligning our will with His and listening to Him and saying yes to Him. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily Mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith Find out more at franciscan.edu slash pilgrimages. I'm glad you joined us here at Franciscan University Presents. Uh, this entire program is actually taped in the Communication Arts Studio at Franciscan University of Steubenville. Um, our panelists, uh, Regis and Scott, are members of our theology department. All the cameras and all the equipment is run by our students here. This entire program uh, really springs forth from the, uh, the heart of Franciscan University. Uh, today we're continuing to discuss Discovering God's Will with uh, author and spiritual director Father Timothy Gallagher, OMV. Um, Father, now that we've kind of got a handle on, um, on what Ignatius talks about with regards to discernment, um, what, what can we know as a sign or as a symptom, if you will, um, of, of us discerning properly the will of God? What springs immediately to mind when you say that is Dante's classic line? Yeah. You know, in his will his is will our peace. Is our peace. Yeah. Yes. And that's the deepest sign of that. Um, what the person will experience is a sense of rightness. The hand fits in the glove. Mm. I'm home. Yeah. There's, there'll be a deep sense of peace, a sense of, well, Ignatius would say, spiritual consolation. And that may at times go together with a certain sense of struggle. Mm. Let's say, take the agony in the garden in the Lord. Sometimes it's just going to be sheer delight. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes there may be some struggle, but what will be common in all of that is a deep sense of rightness, a deep sense that I am in the Lord's will, and to use Dante's word, just the peace. Yeah, yeah. the peace that passes all understanding. Yeah. Which is why we can speak of the joy of the cross. I mean, it's not, you know, he's not a happy camper. It's not an all-day sucker. Uh, he, he's wretched. He's dying, uh, slow, painful, protracted torture. But he's rooted in the will of the Father, and this confers a joy, a peace. Versus strength. I, I think we need to say both things, that sometimes when we discover God's will, we will just, our hearts will be filled on, on every level, human yeah. included, yeah. with a great delight. Yeah. The young man and the young woman who now know that God yeah. wants them to marry. Yeah. Or if I remember my own call to priesthood, you know, it was yeah. everything I wanted. And then sometimes, too, it can be more demanding. But the common denominator is the freedom that 
I know that I am walking in the Lord. Right, yeah. Well, if, if, if priesthood was everything that you wanted, and, and I presume uh, the vehicle was uh, the oblates of the Blessed Mother, and yet you spend your life dispensing the spiritual exercises, why, why didn't you become a Jesuit? What, what prevented that? Was I, I, it desolating? I, <laughs> no. The reason for that is that the founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, an Italian priest who died yep. in 1830, fell so deeply in love with the Ignatian spiritual exercises that he was convinced that there is no more practically usable instrument in the church to awaken dispositions of desire for holiness in people. And at the I same see. time, he said, yeah. the need for this is far greater than anyone can ever meet, even the Jesuits in the world. Yeah. Mm. So the church needs a group of men who are trained in this and don't do other things yeah. to make this available. So that's why an oblate of the Virgin I Mary see. is speaking about yeah. St. Ignatius. Yeah. So, you, you know, St. Ignatius talks a lot about consolation and desolation. Consolation having that kind of closeness uh, and joy of, of God's presence. But desolation sometimes is, is not necessarily the same. And I think sometimes people wonder, you know, if I'm feeling desolate, am I really doing what God, God's will is? And oftentimes there are many challenges. I believe it's in Syriac, it says, if you go up to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. Sometimes when we do step out and we do follow uh, God's path and following His will, uh, there will be uh, trials and we should, probably should expect them. But what would you say to somebody who is, they feel like they've chosen God's path, but now they're experiencing desolation? Yes, certainly there are going to be trials in every authentic vocation or career yeah. that the Lord has called us to follow. But the specific question now about spiritual desolation, which means a heaviness of heart in spiritual things as I live my spiritual life. There's no shame in experiencing that. We all experience that. What we're actually touching on there is a second kind of discernment about which St. Ignatius speaks, which is discernment of spirits, by which he means spiritual consolation, the times that we have joy in the Lord, prayer is alive, and spiritual desolation, the time when we don't feel God's closeness, when there's discouragement in our hearts and some sadness and struggle. He has 14 rules or guidelines on how to understand spiritual desolation and with a wealth of tools on how to resist it and reject it so that we don't get caught in the enemy's trap of disheartenment, yeah. which I think is really the main obstacle most of us experience along the way right. in the spiritual right. journey. That's a separate teaching on discernment of spirits, which I also have a book on that and have done a series on the rest. I love teaching that mm. because you see before your eyes, you see captives set free, which is biblically how I understand his right. teaching. That's what Jesus came to do. Yeah. People who love the Lord live with great goodness, but with a certain grayness and sadness in their hearts and may almost believe that this is what the Lord is asking of me in this life. Yeah. No, Jesus right. didn't call us right. to captivity. He came to, so that's a separate teaching, which, which is one of the greatest gifts that Ignatius gives to the church. And another great book you wrote as well on that. Yeah. That's wonderful. You know, I like the way you describe that because it's, it's setting free the captives, but it's not just from slavery, it's, it's for sonship. You know, so you describe that sense of being at home, coming home. I remember that as a teenager in finding Christ. I remember that in the mid-80s in becoming a Catholic and entering the church. Oh, there was desolation, all kinds of challenges, you know, professional suicide in a way. But, you know, much more was that sense, I'm home, I'm home. And then I remember a practical decision I had to make about coming to Franciscan University of Steubenville yeah. and leaving a job and moving the family and, you know, Kimberly was still in the process of entering the church at that point. 
great difficulties, and yet when we got here, what a sense of being at home. You know, freed from certain things, but called to other things that really represent sort of the will of God as Father for me as Son. And that is at home, and yet at the same time, you know, until we're in heaven, home is never just going to be you know, warm, fuzzy feelings and nothing, but it's going to be crosses. It's going to be right. uh, yeah. difficulties. And this gets right back to the question that, uh, that you raised. I may have discerned well God's will and found it, and I'm walking in it, so you, you come here or I become a priest or we all follow what we know the Lord is asking us to do. But now another kind of experience comes in because the spiritual life isn't done the moment I discern. Now I walk that path, now I live it. And as I do, I can expect times of spiritual consolation, joy in the Lord, and also expect times of spiritual desolation when my heart is heavier and yeah. spiritual things uh, cost more. To know how to negotiate those, yeah. to know how Ignatius says, be aware of what's going on, be in touch with it spiritually, and that's a yeah. big part of reviewing spiritual experience and learning to do that. Be aware of it, understand it, be able to name this as the spiritual consolation that is of what he yeah. said, calls the good spirit, the Holy Spirit. And this is spiritual desolation. 10 o'clock right. alone in my room after yeah. a hard day, don't want to pray, easy to flop in front of the TV right. or right. the internet. Yeah. What I'm experiencing right now is spiritual desolation. And then he's to take action, in this case to reject it. And I think nowhere else in the church's spiritual tradition do we get such a clearly usable set of tools yeah. on how to reject that spiritual desolation right. as those right. given by Ignatius. Yeah. It's critically important because yeah, my, it's the daily spiritual yeah, experience. Yeah. My, my sense is that part of the genius as, of uh, Ignatius is that he doesn't, he's not terribly interested in, in the soul taking his or her own emotional temperature all the time. How am I doing? Asking myself, uh, am I getting uh, warm fuzzies or is it all cold desolation? Instead, you need to forget yourself and focus on the mission, the job. And, and here is a job that only you can perform. God has created you for something really special. Only you can fill this niche. And never mind uh, if, if you're not feeling jolly uh, uh, and exultant all the time. I mean, think of the Gethsemane experience. Uh, it, you, you need to somehow root yourself in, in God's will. Uh, and the consolation will come and, and it will sometimes be interrupted by desolation. But the, the primary overarching focus is God's will, God's glory. Enhance that and as Bernano says, five minutes after you're in paradise, everything is all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what Ignatius would say um, in absolutely along these lines is that as we're doing that, consolation, desolation, I'm holding to God's will and what yep. I know He needs yep. me to do, He wants me to do, that it can become easier for me to do that as I increasingly understand the spiritual experience that's going on. Our culture basically gives us two choices with regard to experience of the heart, which it sees only on the human emotional level. And Ignatius is looking on the spiritual level. Either we blindly follow them, which is disastrous, yeah. or we try to ignore yeah. them, crush them, set yeah, them aside, them, which right. causes problems down the line in another way. Yeah. Ignatius is in the middle and says, discern them. Yeah. Get to understand what's of God and what is not of God in this. Reject what is not of God. Follow what is of God. And then we do exactly that with all the greater courage and strength and joy, yeah. I'd say. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's really conducting a kind of symphony, the way that he coordinates so many aspects of the emotional, the psychological, and the spiritual 
it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I get a sense from what you have said that uh, the spiritual exercises are not all the time. Uh, they're for the occasions when you have really important decisions to make and a lot of discernment needs to go into it. And then when it comes to discerning the desolation and consolation, it's sort of like most of the year is not Advent and Christmas and Lent and Easter. Most of it's ordinary time. And so when you're going through those moments of real important decision making, the exercises and, and really careful discernment. On the other hand, ordinary time, you know, where we're going through the days, the weeks, the months, and the years in between those changes. Uh, it really is the, the, the virtues and the habits that come through discerning consolation, desolation, through spiritual direction, that sort of thing? Yes, I think that that's very much it, that the exercises themselves contemplate a specific need, mm -hmm. a choice of some significance that a person needs to make. However, what happens is that as the person goes through that experience, the person learns an enormous amount about the spiritual life. Mm. The preparation, discernment itself, consolations, desolation. And the person is experiencing this and getting daily guidance in this yeah. from someone competent in yeah. this. So that when the person then returns to daily life, the person returns with a whole new set of understanding and tools. And the tradition has shown that those tools are so useful in daily life that they are widely yeah. uh, taught and presented. There's so much writing on this to make them available to people even outside the original context of the exercises. And experience just shows, I've been teaching this now, traveling and teaching this for almost 30 years now. And um, I cannot tell you what it means to stand in front of a group of a hundred or a few hundred people, explain something like this about consolation and desolation and see a light go on in people's eyes. Yeah. And it's precisely the people who most love the Lord, who are sincerely seeking to follow Him, who delight in now having a whole set of tools that they didn't have before, which enable them to live that daily life right. in the yeah. Lord. And, and, and Father, one of the things that I think helps in all of these consolation and desolation is a spiritual director. It comes up in discernment, it comes up in just our ordinary lives. Uh, this is something that I have found. Uh, luckily, when I was young, I had a priest say, you need to have a spiritual director on a regular basis. And, um, you know, through those very challenging moments, as well as those moments of, of great joy and consolation, uh, why is a spiritual director so important? Why does St. Ignatius encourage that uh, for, for Christians? Because we're dealing in discernment with things about which most of us are not really expert. And even apart from that, I'll just say it myself, I've been teaching and writing on this for a long time now, and I need a spiritual director. Mm -hmm. I sometimes have to smile a little ironically almost when my director will say, well, it sounds like you're experiencing <laughs> spiritual desolation, let's say. Uh -huh. And I'll say, oh, you mean that's what I've been teaching all those people about. <laughs> but I, I need someone to help me see in my own experience what I can't see for myself. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yes, it's, it's been, it's the age-old wisdom of the church that it is, it, well, right to the beginning of the Bible, it is not good for man to be alone. And that is true on every level of our being, yeah, including yeah. the spiritual life. I've been struck to see how on several occasions now Benedict XVI has, um, has, has highlighted this need for spiritual guidance. And I, I'll remember even one phrase, in order to advance in the spiritual life, he says, which is what we all want, we all have need of a guide, which is striking of some form of dialogue. We cannot do it just with our own reflections. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to explain that in the context of, um, of uh, speaking about an individual's experience of, of, of a spiritual guide.
So life gets so much easier spiritually when we have a guide. Finally, I'll just say this, that if we ever feel stuck in the spiritual life, and I think sometimes yeah. we do, we feel blocked, we, we can't see, time is passing and I can't see my way forward. As a basic principle in the spiritual life, God never called us to be stuck in the spiritual life. He always calls us to journey on. What will make the difference many, many times is being able to speak with a spiritual guide and then things can start to move. That's a great point. Um, you won't want to miss the next segment as we really bring this uh, entire conversation to a high point and a close for us on discerning the God's will for our lives. Uh, you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. The spiritual director is like that third person in the picture that between you've got God, the directee, and then the director. And hopefully the director can exercise a contemplative presence uh, and be a channel for the Lord to be able to uh, share with the directee um, what he might want the directee to know. That's at the best. That's certainly not infallible. Uh, they don't make the decisions for the directee. Um, but hopefully if they're um, very prayerful and yes, they have their own stuff, but they can put it aside enough to be a channel for God to help the person understand where to find God in their life. My name is Kelly Butler and I'm a communication arts major. I took independent digital filmmaking. Definitely intense. Many all-nighters in the editing lab getting things done. Pope John Paul II has a quote, do not be afraid to go out into the streets and into public places to preach Christ like the first apostles. That's what we're called to as Catholics and as Christians. You have that responsibility that every work you create should reflect Christ. Franciscan University is academically excellent and passionately Catholic. We've come to our final segment on Franciscan University Presents. Today we've been discussing discovering the will of God with author and spiritual director Father Timothy Gallagher, OMV. Um, now it's time for us to kind of unpack and summarize our, our high points from today's discussion, and we'll start with you, Regis. Well, uh, Father, I'm, uh, I'm awed by uh, your insight uh, and also by your presence. Thank you uh, so much for coming. Uh, I don't know you uh, at all, but uh, uh, the impression I have is that uh, you not only set an example, but you seem to be an inflection of the ideas that you've come to propose and the advice that, uh, that you give. And uh, I, I, uh, I'm grateful uh, to you for that. And it's a wonderful book. Uh, the other night I had a choice, uh, two equally virtuous uh, things. I could either watch a football game or <laughs> I could read your book. <laughs> uh, the fact that I don't know the outcome of the game uh, should uh, uh, be a tip-off. Uh, I read the book and I'm uh, enriched by the experience. One thing strikes me, and, and it's a presupposition of the book, that you're not talking uh, to frivolous people. You're talking to thoughtful Christians who want to become saints, who like to be better, uh, and are determined on the love of God. And that seems to be the defining theme. And you see it certainly in the movement that Ignatius founded, the Society of Jesus, the Companions of Jesus. They're anchored to Christ and they have fallen in love with Christ. And I think that's probably what enables people uh, not to be misled by the consolation uh, and not to be unduly depressed by the desolation, but to keep their eyes on the prize, 
God in the person of Christ. And, and he's, he's the one towards whom we move. And it's so helpful to have this apparatus in place, which, which strikes me as wonderfully schematic, to identify the stages along the way in order to more perfectly discern God's will. And I, I think you're a master uh, at that. And uh, I thank you for coming. Thank you. Scott? This conversation reminds me of the series of conversations I had years ago with Father John and Father Jack, two Opus Dei priests who I encountered while I was Protestant, because objectively I discerned that the Catholic Church was right. And so I was on the wrong flight, as it were. I wanted to eject. I wanted to bail out. They helped me land the plane. So there was a layover. There was a transition. <laughs> it was very helpful for me because I discovered this oasis that uh, existed in the desert that was not on my map, spiritual direction, weekly spiritual direction, encouragement, counsel, uh, growth and uh, in prayer and that sort of thing. I remember becoming a cooperator in Opus Dei before I ever became a Catholic because I knew I needed spiritual direction like I needed meals, you know, and sleep and that sort of thing. And, and I recognized too that for so many non-Catholics, this tradition of spiritual direction is unknown. It wasn't just unknown to me, it was unknown to practically everybody I knew. And then I entered the church, and now after more than two decades of continuing on, I've discovered that there are many Catholics who don't know about this tradition as well, and how life-giving it is. And so that just intensifies my gratitude for not only men like you who are doing this for guys like me, but for books like yours, and for the talks like yours, and for your presence and your conversation here with us today. It really is a channel of grace to many people, and I'm, I, I thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Uh, Regis, as you say, the presupposition here really is a person who loves the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and, and wants to say yes to God with every fiber of their, our imperfect, fragile, redeemed humanity, but genuinely really wants to love the Lord. And as you say, Scott, doesn't yet have all the tools that the person needs. May not even know that those tools exist. Right. And so when faced with this issue of discernment, it seems inviting, attractive, but mysterious and unmanageable. I don't really know what to do with it. And so I feel somewhat uncomfortably stuck and, and bogged in place. And then to have someone come along, like this 16th century Spaniard, and write this slim little volume of spiritual exercises, things we can do, tools, ways we can pray, ways of understanding things, ways of speaking about it in spiritual direction, and to discover with a sense of marvel that the mystery is now unpacked. The unmanageable road now opens up. Now there's a way, and I can walk it. Then you have that experience that I've described as captives being set free, uh, which is just marvelous. I mean, you've described it just now in the way that you've spoken. And it's there for Catholics, Protestants, it's there for anyone who loves the Lord Jesus. And that teaching then allows people to move forward and find, as we said earlier, the peace in His will mm -hmm. is, is your peace, which is a beautiful thing and a marvelous gift of our spiritual tradition. Yeah. 
Father Tim, thank you for being with us. Thanks for sharing on our program. You also had a chance to speak with our students, so we really appreciate um, all that you've done. Uh, but in your book, Discerning the Will of God, um, you've really made it very practical um, and accessible, I think, for many people, whether religious or lay. And these are wisdom uh, that, that the church really needs, and so I thank you for that. Um, you know, when I think about um, uh, this topic, it, it, it really would have been much more helpful had I uh, known the Ignatian exercises and had your book uh, before many uh, life decisions. But for those of you who are uh, wanting to go deeper into our subject today, just for asking, we have a free handout for you uh, that are excerpts from Father's book. Uh, if you go to faithandreason.com, you can download it or you can contact us and we can get it to you. Uh, it's a really, really very helpful uh, guide for you. Um, there are many choices that we all have to make and I think the, the preparation uh, for that is, is, as Father shared, that we have to want the will of God. Uh, to know that, that we were created by a God who loves us and who has a purpose for our lives. Uh, St. Catherine of Siena says that um, if we are who we were meant to be, we would set the world on fire. Uh, the world needs us to be living in the will of God. Um, and we need to be able to know it so well that we're living it, but also teaching and leading others. Um, our world is in desperate need of that. Um, too much in our culture is, is noise. And St. Ignatius and, and, and Father Timothy here is, is talking about silence, about taking time to be silent before the Lord, to listen to Him. And it makes it very, very easy for us to really unpack uh, and listen to uh, the Lord. Um, you had a great quote in your book that is one of my favorite, Blessed John, uh, John Newman, God has created me to do some definitive service. He has committed some work to me which He has not committed to another. I have my mission. Somehow I am necessary for His purposes, as necessary as an archangel is for His. Um, so this is a great book. Um, we, we encourage you to, to take a look at this book, pass it on, and share it with others. Um, Franciscan University presents uh, comes from the heart of Franciscan University, and I want to invite you to be a part of our mission. Uh, Franciscan University is forming the students who are transforming the world. I invite you to be a part of it by being a student here on campus or through our distance learning. Uh, come and be part of our conferences or pilgrimages, or visit us at faithandreason.com for videos and great resources. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Thank you for watching. Franciscan University presents. To download the free handout on today's topic, go to faithandreason.com. Email your request for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu. At faithandreason.com, you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University Presents or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381. Or call 740-283-6357.